Welcome to Marketing Mindshare, the podcast that brings you into the world of the top marketing minds from Fortune 500 companies to scrappy, small and medium-sized business marketers. Together, we'll explore the leading strategies today's marketing leaders deploy. I'm your host, Dean DiCarlo, and now let me take you into the Marketing Mindshare. On this episode of Marketing Mindshare, we have Keith Crumpler, Associate Director of Partner Development Analytics at Sony Music Entertainment. In this episode, Keith goes into data analytics and how companies are using data to make really sound decisions for their business. Keith begins the podcast by going into his experience, how he started with data analytics at 1-800-Flowers.com. With the data at 1-800-Flowers, and during that time is when you also came aboard and we kind of uh, got to work together a lot more collaboratively there. So my tenure at 1-800-Flowers was really diving into the e-commerce and how can we uh, optimize the purchase funnel. And that was really my one of my main focuses there is understanding uh, consumer and the consumer journey. Like what are consumers doing throughout the purchase pathway and where are some points that they're getting hung up? And we use data to understand that we use a myriad of different tools to really see, okay, if we have a hundred people come onto the site on a given day, how many of those are converting? That's the simple macro level. That's the, the end goal was right. the conversion. That's our conversion rate. Okay. But throughout that, throughout that journey, there are a lot of touch points and depending on what you're doing on the user flow, you can, you know, go down a lot of different pathways. So the real nuts and bolts of what I did during that tenure was really try to understand as best as possible what those consumers were doing and what were the more optimal pathways to get the consumer to ultimately, you know, say, make, make said purchase, but not just, um, obviously, like I mentioned, the main KPI was the key key performance indicator. Our main macro indicator of success on the website was conversion, but we also wanted to know, you know, if we're promoting a newsletter or, or we want to get loyalty members, which was a big driver when I was at the company, what, what are some ways we can do that? And so we also tracked those micro conversions and um, also understood, okay, where were their drop-off rates? Because that was a big thing during the purchase funnel. Where do you find right. and optimize drop-off rates? Because maybe it's something about the checkout flow or maybe it's something about, you know, they see a certain charge on a checkout page or throughout the purchase funnel, it's a little bit too complicated. Maybe they want it to be less than one step or maybe one stop, whatever that might've been at the time. So that's where I really got into that experience. And then I was fortunate after that experience to go down to Charlotte for a little bit of, of a, under a year to do some consumer, consumer behavior analytics for NASCAR. So awesome. that was, that was really exciting because one, it got me into the sports and entertainment space at a very high level in a sense of, you know, NASCAR and depending on what market you're in, it's really, really big. Um, you know, originally from the Northeast, I wasn't uh, as, as aware of how big that organization is, particularly in the South and in some other regions. Um, but nonetheless, it gave me an opportunity to really dive into, you know, something completely new to me and how different demographics uh, invest in their product. And then in the, case, in the case of NASCAR, the product wasn't a material good as much as it was an event. And that was uh, something that, and that was the races, the races being the events. And that's something that was really new 
and then challenging and interesting for me because, you know, again, talking from a person uh, uh, from the Northeast, from a minority class, not really exposed to NASCAR or anything like that, it got me really interested to see what are some of their positionings to attract different demographics and attract different, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, potential stakeholders in that company to grow and invest in and grow. And funny thing about NASCAR, you know, I, I stayed there under, a little under a year and, you know, just different things. And, and I, and I eventually moved back up to the Northeast, but it's interesting. A lot of the challenges and charges that a lot of organizations have, they've, I think from a sub, purely subjective opinion, I think they've maximized a lot of the the cultural changes that are happening in the country, and they really are positioning themselves in a, in a, in a, in a very positive direction going forward. And some of that, I, you know, admittedly might be by 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 just force because of the times and, and things, but also right. it is a lot of work that has been going on for even years before I was there that has been invested in trying to attract different demographics and try to broaden that organization's footprint more than what it's historically known to be so that was exciting to really get into that and um you know but I ultimately what I what came what it came down to me around this juncture I, I started realizing you know I was able to touch data and in, in an in e-commerce organization and a sports organization I didn't get into my nonprofits or, or some of the smaller organizations but I was able to do that as well and, but what I started realizing is like a lot of the same issues are consistent across companies and it's in across different organizational types is how initially when I started my career uh, right out of college, it was, you know, really during the mobile explosion of everyone really getting integrated into mobile devices. And we have all of these data points coming from mobile devices and then for right. 4G and then LTE and all Leading these types of technologies. To- Leading up to that switch over of desktop dominant to yeah. mobile dominant, which we are yeah, today. Exactly. So that in that incubation period was a lot of just data, data, data. Everybody's trying to just get data, aggregate it. And now that we have it, during my last 10 years of like really working in this space, I'm realizing more and more through my own professional experience, as well as just colleagues and just friends and in general, a lot of the emphasis has now been on what do we do with it? Like we have all of this information we're getting more information that we possibly can mine or churn in any given run period. But what are we, how can we action on that? So you combine that facet that I was learning around uh, um, simultaneously with the same, uh, my mental shift of going, okay, this is cool, but I'm really interested in working in a space that, uh, you know, can attract me in a different way. Didn't know what that was. I was fortunate to work at a, a music media company called Music Choice. And that's where I really started getting into the entertainment space and looking at uh, product analytics, believe it or not. So there's so many different spheres of analytics and yes, that, that word in, in and of itself can can, can be uh, inundating to, 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 to who you talk to. But during that experience, I was able to really focus less on the consumer and less on the pro, um, the marketing elements and more on the end product. So as, as I mentioned before, e-commerce was looking at the consumer from the purchase funnel. NASCAR was looking at consumer, or sorry, um, the demographics of sorts. Now I'm looking at the product itself and understanding some of the nuances of that and some of the engineering behind that and what, you know, all of the, all of the flows that go with that. And then more recently, I've been, as I, you mentioned, <laughs> when we started, I'm, I've been at Sony, uh, Sony Music Entertainment, 
um, where I'm working on the partnership analytics team, working with some of the, the largest DSPs in the world, uh, the Apples, the Spotify's of the world, the Amazons, the Pandora's and, and such, um, and really getting into segmentation across the board um, for ma numerous KPIs for that organization. It's been really exciting to, to go into that front. Um, so this is more on the publisher end? It's on the other side. I'm on the digital streaming provider side of it. So, okay. so it's working the, the way, the way my role and where I sit works is we have, uh, you know, we have content. So Sony's a, a record music group, but it's a, it's a, com a composite conglomerate of, of record labels. Um, so they are providers of content through artists and, 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 and then subsequently the artists' uh, songs. Um, those are, those are content pieces are distributed across different mediums on your Spotify's, on your Apple's, on your, 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 um, YouTube's or whatever the, what you may have it. My role and my team's role, we sit as account kind of liaison, so to speak, where we're understanding the nuances of the Sony data and how does that fit in the ecosystem of said provider and where are the ways we can maximize oh, that partnership really between, between, uh, both you know, the side of the company I'm on and, and those organizations as well. So that's been really enriching and, and, and subsequently challenging, but I love it in the sense that it's keeping me in a, it's keeping me challenged in something new and uh, additionally exciting. Even though I was in a music entertainment space before, this is a completely different role in that capacity. And, and, and I was, like I said, I've been blessed to have different backgrounds to help me do the, the type of analyses that we're doing and, and understand some of the type of partnership relationships that, that is involved with this type of work. But also it all comes back to, you know, what are we trying to see from, and what, what are some of the decisions we're trying to make as a company based off of data? And that's, right. that's really where my, my, if you want to really simplify my whole career and this whole world I've been in is taking the information, data, and making better decisions with it. And that's ultimately what it comes down to, whether it be from products, consumers, uh, uh, partnerships, whatever it is, what is the information, the data telling us that can help us make better decisions to said maximize whatever KPI you're looking for at that time? Yeah, absolutely. I love how diversified your career is though, because <laughs> I think for anybody who is just out there and trying to become a marketer, maybe they're at that, at that three or four year mark, you have gone about it really well where you yes you were a generalist but you picked a field in analytics and then you said okay now I can just keep going deeper and once you got really good at marketing analytics or around the conversion KPI you said okay let's switch over to the demographic analytics or market analytics and then um, product which I, I like product a lot we do a lot of that at our agency so I think it's really fascinating with marketing and now that you're on you're doing the segmentation analytics, like that's that's awesome. Like I love how you have all that experience. Um, it does boil down to how do we make practical decisions? So I guess the question I have is if you're a company, how do you avoid analysis paralysis and being inundated with the data? Like where do you start? You know, that's a very good question. And I think it's something that if I knew the correct answer to, <laughs> I right. you know. I think that's what the struggle is for any organization is really understanding what the proverbial silver bullet is. One of the things that I've experienced as an analyst, because technically speaking, no matter the title, I am an analyst at heart. That's what I do. I analyze data uh, is 
you can go down a foxhole really quickly uh, or a proverbial rabbit hole really quickly because um, there's just so many layers that can lead to so many different pathways when you're looking at data, especially if you're at a, a, a or not even a large organization, just a, 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 if you have a set of data that just has a myriad of layers to it. Um, to that point, one of the things that I try to do when I push my initiatives, as well as when I'm corresponding with colleagues and, and, and people of, of an executive nature who are looking for these for different reasons, is try to understand ultimately like, what is the main thing we're trying to solve for or look to get? And then from that, two supplemental points that will really reinforce that. And again, it might be wrong, it might be right, but just what are you really trying to focus in on? Because I think that's the, you talked about analysis paralysis. I think that's one of the biggest things. If we, if you're really not sure of what you're looking for, then you can go, you could spend a whole year doing something that might be extremely complex and sophisticated, but it doesn't really bring any value because it's not answering the question. And I think that comes from understanding the question first. So for instance, if I'm at Mission Disrupt and I want to understand, you know, how many people are listening to this podcast and what are ways we can improve upon getting more people to listen to it, then that's our macro kind of question for that moment. It's, it's okay. We want to understand consumption and engagement with, with this video, with this conversation we're having. And then what are, what are ways we can, you know, better improve upon it. Um, and and, and then, then from there, I try my best to do things in, in a, um, like almost like a scrum fashion where you deliver something and then you iterate on it and you, and you approve as opposed to right. going down a very large sophisticated project pathway. And then it ends up being completely not what we're looking for. That also helps with the analysis paralysis because as, as you chunk things, you, you start breaking them down into little things where maybe this is important, maybe it's not, but I'll throw it out there and see what the, what, 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 um, you know, the general feel of it is the analysis, so to speak, in this conversation. And, and I also think what you, what I've realized is that something I think might be totally evident and self, you know, it, it just is very apparent might be something that yes, is, is general knowledge, but it hasn't been really evaluated to the extent that, that you as an analyst would think, cause it's like right in front of you. Like, of course you could see this is the time where people most are engaged on social media is lunchtime, X, Y, Z. Well, maybe you, who you're working with is not, as, is not as aware of that. So what I try to do is just throw that information out there initially, like, hey, is any of this uh, uh, relevant to our question? Remember at the, top of the, at the top of the chart is really understanding that charge. What are we really trying to solve for? Right. And then from that, build on it, and ultimately, to be completely candid with you, you're never going to get to a place where the analysis is complete because there's always more you can it's do. It's always moving. You're always collecting. There's more yeah. data points. I think the part that I think is that silver lining and that, that middle ground is are we actioning on our data findings more astutely than we would have had if we didn't do this analysis? And if we are... Again, the outcome on my in my world for right now in this level of my profession, the ultimate outcome, whether it's a financial success or it's not as important and as to me personally in my line of work as is it helping drive better decision making in general. Right. Um, 
if that makes any if that makes sense yeah like, it does yeah more, so, more informed decision making based off of data that you feel confident in yeah exactly um and that's interesting. And, uh, you you had brought up too you're you're the analyst but you're working in a team that could consist of what like an engineer maybe a ux designer so yeah. i really like how you go about it because basically what you're saying is you have a defined goal and then as the analyst you might say hey we're going to look at the time of day that people are looking at, or maybe the checkout, you're going to, you're going to get very specific and then try to find those, um, try to analyze those findings, see what you can come up with. When you deliver it to them, do you find that if you write it out like this, that it's easy for the UX designer, the engineer to interpret? I think that's one of the hardest uh, like aspects of my work and my line of work is I like, and I'm very, appreciative that I've had the opportunity to work with so many different types of uh, brains and types of talent. Um, but what I'm increasingly realizing is that you have to know your audience and when I'm and you have to also understand what their deliverable from that outcome is from that data outcome is. Right. And, and I wanted I wanted to really dive into something you mentioned about that. Uh, so I've been able to work with engineers and I've been able to work with product designers and I work with marketers and, and all of these, uh, uh, and I've been a marketer for a large right. part of my career. That's what, what I was too. Um, so what, what happens is you almost have to take the hat or, or sit in the, in the seat of these people and like they're, you're analyzing said trends or said uh, uh, touch points for, general analysis like where are some opportunities and such as a ux designer you might be focused on one particular element at that time which is the checkout page or or or, or the home page or, or the product uh the menu button on the, on the mobile app whatever it is or maybe the whole right. app the whole app redesign some analysis that i'm doing about retention might not be relevant for you at that time it might be okay i need to know and focus on the ui analysis and all of that so what that has allowed me to do is really understand and almost sit in a, in a, in a very unique position where you get to see oftentimes a lot of layers of organizations, whether they're small or big, and really see how it all interconnects, which can be challenging because it, it, it takes a really, I'm not saying it's, it's extremely sophisticated and such, it can be, you can get a lot of the complexities in analysis, but it's ultimately just being able to communicate what you're seeing to the recipient in a way that makes uh, sense to them. So right. I think a, a, a large misconception, at least from my experience, again, it could be completely different from somebody else. A large misconception about analytics is that is a lot of this um, heavy advanced statistics with, uh, you know, creating all these sophisticated models. And that's a part of it. That is a, that is a very, you know, you know, important part of it, depending on what, what uh, particular division you're in. I think a more important part that's often overlooked is the ability to build relationships and communicate. I think that's the biggest part and challenge oftentimes with this type of work is you're so entrenched in said data or said analysis that you almost have to take a step back. Not, not almost, you often have to take a step back and just realize, okay, the end goal is for what? And going back to, again, what's the macro question we're trying to answer here? And then how does this, help solve that problem for said recipient or said said or said team or and even if it's your own team or your own or of your own 
uh, uh, you know, constituents. If I'm working with my similar analysts, we'll might go more into some of the, the nuances of it, of approaches of it. If I'm looking at it, uh, you know, the CMO or the COO or, or, or you know, the head of product, it's going to be different. My my message is the data is not going to change. The, the analysis might be similar, but the output of how it's presented and how it's communicated will be different. And it, and that's a challenge oftentimes because you you know you have different people have different ways of interpreting it and you as an analyst figure are is really important that you you remember that perspective and not really get so hung up on um you know getting everything to the nth degree you have to remember your audience i think that's a very important part and um it's a challenge i'm not gonna lie but it is it's i yeah. mean for me it's, it's really been fascinating because it's allowed me to really learn so much more about different uh types of work that i to get a chance to do peripherally, but not as in depth because that's not my career, but it's also really great to be exposed to that. It's good. It keeps it interesting. You know, it's not just reading data for the sake of reading data or working in Excel. The fact that there's that human element that you could be working with an engineer one day, a uh, publisher the next day, or a UX designer, you know, that that that's the beauty of, of marketing in, in interdisciplinary teams, you know? Yeah, it it really is, and and it's something like I mentioned it briefly. Is you know when we're talking about the analytics that I've done, I don't know if I specified it is segmented specifically on marketing data analysis and things of that sort. But there are uh, sectors of it where you are strictly behind a screen coding up uh, models and stuff. And if if that's that's what you are passionate about and that's what you like, then we need more of it. <laughs> but right. the, the world that I work in is a lot more of that taking that element of it, the data science component, doing elements of it. I mean, I mean I'm in a database quite a bit, uh, doing a lot of different things, but it's ultimately all of that doesn't mean anything to somebody who has no idea what uh, uh, you know, a Python, they don't think that they think it's just a snake, not a code. Yeah, yeah, exactly. like so you have to be able to say, okay, all of that being said, what's the, what does this really mean for the, the, end, the end constituent? And that's the, like you said, the beauty of it. I've been really, uh, I've been fortunate to be able to, to sit in that world because that's something I enjoy. As I told you before, I started out just kind of like really fascinated with people's behaviors. And, and part of that becomes with just talking and interacting with people. You do a really good job of making something that is pretty complicated and boiling it down really simply, exactly how you're explaining it. Like I, and working with you, or I have worked with you, I could, yeah. I know how you operate. And that's an art form too, the way you're able to do it as, as a manager. Um, so I'm sure thank you can appreciate you, thank that. You. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I really do appreciate it. And it's a, it's something that's a continuous work. And, and, and uh, I know there's other questions and things that we want to go into, but I definitely wanted to touch on, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, any of this stuff is natural. I did not come out of undergrad thinking I would do anything data, math, statistics related. I came out with general psychology uh, and very kind of like, I want to say indecisive. I knew I wanted to work in business, as I mentioned before, but I didn't know right. what that meant. And um, I think it's just one of those things as the world has shifted to become more data centric and data driven, I've been fortunate to adapt to that, that, that world without, I think, losing the element that it's all for me really about the relationships and people and that's also i think why it helps you know in my managerial approach is to really understand like i didn't know any of this stuff so i'm not expecting right. 
the next person, regardless if they've been an analyst for 20 years, I'm looking at it a different way. They, they might be. And, and simultaneously, that's why you're continuously learning. And that's why I'm always like open and eager to learn something new, whether it be from a new organization or a new person, because this, you know, I feel like at the same data set three different times in the same hour and look, find five different things from it. So it is, you never, you're never done with any of it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have a question more along the lines of the music industry, because before this, you were at Music Choice. How is data impacting the music industry? To like, what degree is it? Like, so for me as a marketer, I'd imagine the, the, the platforms are greatly impacted the way the, the product design is, but is data even influencing, to your knowledge, like the decisions of like what music is made or like where the investment goes? Like, what yes. yeah how, how does it affect these organizations to what degree so i'll use a quick example what i'll get into in depth with a lot of different things i think data is huge in the sense of content curation and and and, and different things of that sort from the music entertainment space specifically and the reason i bring that up is because right now historically you know artists and they you know put out records and it was distributed through labels or independently and you would really focus on album sales as a main metric for you know success and revenue and things for the and and um and obviously different elements of touring and there, there's a lot of different uh revenue pathways but streaming is the 21st century and streaming right. has a lot of data elements in there that really influences how people are making content. I'll use TikTok as an example. A lot of TikTok, uh, so TikTok for, for you know, I'm pretty sure most people know are aware of what it is anyway, but it has a lot of um, what we call lean forward content, like uh, newer content uh, yeah. that either breaks a new artist or really popularizes or repopularizes a song. And, what we're seeing with that is that that platform, I'm just using one, I can pick on a number of different platforms, but this is general knowledge. That platform in particular really shows the impact of how can I make something, I'm picking from, a, from an artist perspective, if something is catchy enough to dance to or to you know have a sound clip within 15 seconds, it might go viral and then virility really, really helps your positioning on the charts and that really helps your revenue sales. So, and I'm not saying people are making content for TikTok and such, but there is a, a, a commonality between something of that medium and how uh, some newer content is being produced today. Uh, another example of that is um, if you look at traditional albums, the the LP track list, the number of tracks on a list were traditionally smaller than what they have been um, over the last several years. This is again, an aggregation, but more so the length and duration of, of, a, of a track is short, shorter than they have been historically. A uh, couple of years ago, give or take, you can average around, let's say four minutes per a track on an album. Now we're looking at like two and a half to three minutes max on some tracks. Do you track think day. that's affected like, do you think, like, I could tell you right now, so the biggest thing for clients is say, oh, can we do a 30 second or a minute ad? And we always say, no, that's not going to work. Like your standard mm -hmm. ad formats on like Instagram, it's 15 seconds and, sec and six seconds. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we go with. We don't deviate from that. Do you think the record companies 
looked at the data and said the, the, the attention span is getting shorter. And because of that, we need to now morph our music so that it fits these formats. And I'm not saying it was TikTok, but is it just an aggregation of data and user and just behavior forced by the social companies almost? Is that is that what we're kind of getting to? I think the latter is more prevalent and in commonplace. Is I think what's happening, again, I'm not speaking on behalf of any organization. I'm just thinking from what's out there and in general. Right. I think what we're seeing is consumption behaviors are really influencing other industries, in this case, the music entertainment industries. A large element of data analysis, specifically what I've been doing at the company I'm at now, is focusing on the social platforms because that is where a large majority across the globe too is globally a large majority of of uh, a time is being spent on these on these platforms and within these platforms are elements of music uh, elements of video elements of a lot of different things but in my case music and that in that sense so to your point about what we're trying to do is really understand the macro impact of consumption and the behavior that consumers are doing on these products and on these, you know, these voice, you know, services and things and realizing, okay, these are opportunities. I'm sorry. These are what the people are doing. How do our artists can they, how can they maximize on these, these, these behavior patterns that, the end use the end consumer is doing again i'm not saying people explicitly do it but there is a tie between what i was mentioning before about you know you can see the track lengths are increasing the, the durations are decreasing because there are revenue implications right. for how long something is streamed and what does that mean towards your 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 payments and things so i do think there is a tie to that and then you take in the behavioral component of attention span not only being shortened but being deviated I mean, there are so many different, I hate to use the word, data points that is vying for our attention across the world between family obligations, personal obligations, then the different, you know, tools on your phone and the phone itself. Like, there's so many things vying for our attention. So you want to maximize every single microsecond that you can. And yeah, for sure. may, maybe that's not having a, a, a eight-minute video a compilation video that michael jackson might have did back in 1980 maybe it's something a right. little bit more catchy that gets you hooked in the lot the first 10 seconds gets you through and and this and, and and okay now you're on to the next thing and the more people that does that that's more beneficial for you know the, the entertainment industry at large so i do think there is elements of you know looking at the data and seeing what are opportunities for artists. But I actually think it's more about just looking at what people are doing in general. I think that's across yeah. products, across industries, like what are people doing? And it's, 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 it's like they work I think artists, symbiotic to, to, to each other. And I think artists see that too intuitively. But at yeah. the end of the day, whether it's the record company saying to do it or whether it's them, like behavior is shifting, right? Because the data is there and ultimately decisions are made over time. And we just naturally morph to what if it's TikTok, like it's TikTok now. That's what it is. So we yeah, think that, adjust content, right? And it's, I think it's that's super... just consistent to, to 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 everything. Like we, you you adapt, you you evolve. So so for a large number of times, public knowledge, the the music industry was suffering uh, because of you know not really understanding how to monetize 
the decline in record physical sales and now right. it's the streaming so like you adapt you you try to figure out what is important to the end consumer and the end consumer in this case is us in our digital world in the western society and being connected as we are digitally that is and and what are we doing with it and then companies and organizations go okay people are doing this let's 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 give them what they want that's what they're doing yeah. and then that's that's exactly what it is it's you, have to, you, you, you have to be willing you have to be willing to change <laughs> and i think that's the harder part about organizations that are large and have been around for a long time because you know you've had a model that might have worked for like 60 70 years brick and mortars is a great example going back to our e-commerce conversation yeah and then you realize you know you have to position yourself this is probably 20 years ago but like you have to position yourself on online that's where the consumers are going to be and lo and behold it that's that's where it's at so you know i think you just have to realize what people are doing stay on top of that stay on the pulse of what people are doing um which is not always easy but you have to just understand like a macro level what are consumers doing what how's the world changing and then to bring this all back full circle with data data is a part of telling you that and then yeah absolutely then then actioning on that from whatever organizational lens you have at that time absolutely so if we're if you're a company that's trying to get started even using data like do you have programs that you recommend like let's just say i'm a small medium-sized business and there's a lot of things that i can learn from bigger businesses what are some of the programs that i should start getting into or at least starting to look at so I think there's a lot of, of ways you can attach attack that question. I would really look at, uh, I'll answer this twofoldly. I think one is you have to understand your landscape of what yes. sector you're in. If, are you, if you're in a retail sector? Are you in a, a entertainment sector? And then from that, what type of division are you in? Are you in publishing? Are you in uh, commerce? Whatever that is. Yeah. Um, I use the ones that I've been privy to because that's where I have exposure. So I know, for instance, if you're a smaller company and you want to get some online, uh, which you should have some online traction viability. I think Google Analytics is a really good place to really get some tracking implementation. So you can just understand more or less what is happening on your platform. Yeah, get a um, base understanding of, of what's get happening. Base, get a base understanding on that. And I think GA is evolved quite a bit over the years. Um, there's multiple tiers and multiple versions and things of the sort. But I think that product has a great foundation for small businesses where you can really get a lot of value for, you know, uh, uh, little to nothing in terms of initial investment. And then you can build on it from there. I think in terms of your data stack, you would really want to understand, you really would ha want to have, from a small business point of view, you might not have the resources to invest into a large scale database, but maybe you could tap into something like access or something that a general database collection system. Um, and again, different financial implications, but whatever that may be for you, AWS or, or, or um, Snowflake, if you're into that, uh, those type of clients really do great jobs of really holding your data and you, now with the, the way the world is today you don't have to have physical premises anymore to have data services right data it's all in the cloud like it's all in the cloud which makes that mean the barrier to entry is exploded because of that because and, now you don't and this have is to. important too just I, i'm just gonna interject yeah. like it's important because now you actually own the data 
right? So if you were to just deploy a Google Analytics instance, if you were to leave GA, that data is with them. So that's yeah. that's why you're recommending doing something like Snowflake AWS because this is yeah. your database now and you can bring that with you. And as the company transforms, it's your legacy data. Yes, yeah, so that's the bigger part. And I tried my best to steer away from that initially as it relates to conversing with with like a, a, maybe a very green and because it, it could sound inundated it could sound overwhelming like you got to invest in an in infrastructure with databases and such it might right. but that is to your exact point you know the reason i brought ga up first as a general tool and it's not dismissing any of the other ones just a tool as an example is it gives you a out of the box really good startup to show you yeah. this is oh People are on my platform. People are subscribing to my newsletter. People are watching my video. But the ultimate goal, I would think, is to really understand what to do with that long term and also to own it and have it sustained. Because you would hope whether your goals are to become a major corporation or to just stay local or supply, whatever it is for you, you still want to be able to understand the longitudinal studies of your of your of your growth or or you know, right. of your existence and that that comes from having the data available for it to you and to have it available to you is investing in these what i mentioned before these um these uh database services um whether they be on the cloud or if you have the resources you want to do it on premises up to you but having that is 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 very important and then i think the next layer in, in investing in your data layer Besides human capital and resources is obviously that's important, right. but um, I think you would really want to start diving into different visualization aspects of it. And the reason I bring up visualization aspects is because a large, you know, charge in the data analytics community specifically is how do we make this interpretable for the end constituent? And, you know, I can play in Excel and Excel is a, is a, is a, is a you know, the Microsoft Office suite, I should say, is, is extens extremely important to have. But I could play that up. But not everybody reads the same way in tables and charts and stuff like I'm sorry, yeah. tables tables and ro rows and columns. So if you have the reason, I would invest in something of of, of uh, dashboard capabilities. Now, there are people and, and resources to do this within your pre-existing, you know, you could build, you, I, you know, we've built dashboards in Excel and different. But what happens is um, as your data becomes more complex, and those tools are built to serve as, as spreadsheets. They're spreadsheet right. tools. That's what that's what they're designed to be. The these um visualization softwares I'm talking about, the Power BI through Microsoft uh, or the Tableaus uh, of the world, they are designed to help you explore your data and make sense of it. And so much in in a way that a general marketer or a general uh, uh, you know practitioner doesn't have to have backend coding experience, doesn't have to know analytical concepts, can really just say, I want to know how my segment is doing in this time frame for these, you know, this this particular subset. Click, click, click. And it does it for you. And that becomes really huge because what it, what the visualization aspect of things does, regardless if it's present presentation or not, is time efficiency. It'll allow you to get right. to your insights quicker so you can actually go about you know, doing your other elements of your job and such. So I think, excuse me, <coughs> those are some um, some ones that I think would be really impactful. I've been able to work with uh, Mixpanel from a product analytics point of view. So Mixpanel is a great products I've analytics heard good software. About that. Um, 
it, 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 it mixed panel reminds me in a way of Adobe Analytics where it has a lot of value. It's custom. So it's dedicated to your specific business. So reason I preface personally uh, Google Analytics uh, is because it's more uh, one-stop shop. You can really, depending on your, it really serves a lot of the larger population very well. Yeah. And then you can expand on it and really customize it. Some of those other tools are exceptionally good at what they do, but you need to have a little bit more of a framework of what you're really trying to gain and what you're trying to track and stuff like that. But um, Before uh, you actually make that investment. Yeah, too. yeah exactly. And, and I important. think, I think a lot of the SMBs that I'm thinking of when they're at that five to 10, 15 million mark, they have that VP of marketing. They probably have some analytic experience, but really they're usually a generalist. So to have the visualization, I think is super important to have GA as your base and then see what you need from there. You take that afterwards. Yeah. I mean, listen, you could have billions and you still probably have a really I mean, you can have some of the most sophisticated data, uh, your data stack, but it, the very top of the hour we talked about, you know, you know, your audience and such, it really comes down to taking all of this and distilling it down to a few things and what makes sense of that. And that could be readily done in some of these tools we mentioned and some of their competitors. Uh, and, and, and as you grow and do other things, you might want to invest in other other efficiency tools and, and things that really make a lot of that more, more, you know, viable for your organization, but to help start as with, with your question, I think having a foundation and some type of web, web tracking, if you're on the web um, or product tracking, if you're analyzing products, um, some bases in a database or someplace to store your data that is yours as an organization. And then some type of skill set or tool that'll help you, take your information from said database and just and analyze it and distill it down so that you can present it out and really action on it. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really good uh, steps to follow, honestly. Um, so we went over a few things today. I feel like we've gone <laughs> over, you know, your history, um, how that's impacted you. I think the methodology, even for somebody who's just thinking about get starting a career in marketing, you've done it right. I really feel strongly that, especially somebody who wants to work for larger companies, you've done a really good job of saying, I've hit my comfort zone. I have to either shift within the company or move companies and keep your keep upgrading those skills, right? Keep punching up. That's what I say every year here. It's like, got to keep punching up a level, you know? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. You mentioned it earlier, and I, I don't know if I wanted to just derail you, so totally shut me out or anything if I'm off base here. But uh, I think that was a big for Keith, I mean, myself specific, specifically was, you know, I knew when I was at 100 Flowers specifically, I didn't want to become the GA man, and that's 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 uh, or, or 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 the Adobe man or whatever the web that you know that particular niche. I loved what I was doing and I am grateful for it, but I also see a part about punching up. There's, as you, as I've been able to grow and learn in the different industries I've been in, I'm realizing there's so much more layers and complexities to that. And for me, that's a challenge and it excites me. Not for every, that's not for everyone, but there's so many routes you can go that there is no one said way of doing it so you mentioned you thought i did it right and i appreciate that completely but i also think there's 
hundreds of thousands of ways you could do it and still do it right. Right. It's a matter of really identifying for you as a person or a marketer or, or, or heck, even even if you're just a, a, a product designer, what do I need to know or get out of said data to be able to do what I need to do for my career or my specific job function? I know for me, it is an analyst, so I want to know as much as I can from analytical concepts to different types. But if I wasn't, I also realized that data is a big influence across industries, some more than other, but a general 21st century is the thing that is driving business decisions, whether it's, you know, to detriments or not, that's a whole different topic. But, but, uh, I think this uh, being aware of that and then being able to say, you know what, if, just because I'm not a quote unquote, I hear, I hear this a lot. Like I'm not a data person or I don't understand data. I think you, when you really distill it down, data is information. And, and that's what the definition of it is. If you really think about it is taking information and then making sense of it and doing something with it. And, and, and that's for me has been really one of the things that's helped me punch up is okay. I've, I've, yep. I'm, I'm not ever going to master a particular thing because there's always something more to learn but i'm like okay i know enough to be semi-dangerous how can i enhance on that into something i have no idea about so i can continue to to evolve and, and you know be able to help share my insights with with others and i think that's my biggest hope with what i do is just just to be able to say you know listen i i I didn't really know any of this stuff and, and I still don't know any of this stuff. Right. I do it for always learning. But yeah, but uh, you know, as as I'm talking through different things and meeting with different people throughout my career and life, I'm realizing, you know, there's little things that I now take for granted because I've been doing it so long or I've been doing it so often that it's it's completely new to somebody else. I'm like, oh no. And and just setting those foundations and, and just bringing everyone up. And I think that's how we all as as people just continue to reach what reach back and just bring the next one up so reach one teach one love it love i love it <laughs> you know it, it comes out in your work and and i think it's the right it's the right way to go about things especially in data um where it can get dry you look at you break it down super like i said before super simple but you make it exciting because da data is exciting when you get into the consumer behavior and the fact that whatever you find as an analyst it's going to have a big impact. You just got to get the, the information over to the right person. And then it could make or break uh, products, right? Experiences and, and trends. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. It, I did. I don't know if we have time, but I did want to, you mentioned something that's very important to, to think through as a, as a potential market or a small business owner or anything is that the idea of data being dry and, I want to emphasize that that is a very strong possibility. And the reason I mention that is because when you don't have a defined path or a defined goal or question, you're, you as an analyst or as a business owner, you can get very overwhelmed with looking at just a lot of what we call noise. Um, uh, there's the idea of the signal and there's the idea of the noise. Noise being just data, as I mentioned at the top, where we have all this information in our in our in our world like you go onto the website you have all these news articles from all these different sources you just it's an overload it's a system overload so it's being able to really decipher out through all of the noise through all of that what's the really what's what's happening here and it, it does take 
you know, there's reasons why there's people work in certain specific professions. I can never be like a health professional. Thank goodness for all of those people. Like they, they are the true heroes. Um, they, the, I'm squeamish when it comes to certain bodily functions, so, yeah. like things like that. It's it, it just, it just, you know, but I do, I realize for me that I, I have an interest and a passion for being able to distill out information from nothing, from noise. Right. Uh, but that's not for everybody. So once you identify that with yourself, then I think you can really get through the idea of, of, you know, this is dry for me, but I'm not me personally, but if I'm like, Oh, that's, 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 you know, that's, that's out of my world. But um, yeah, ultimately it's really about just taking what you just said. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the behind it? What's really behind it? You know? You have to have the why, right? Oh yeah. Have the why. You gotta have your wife for everything, man. Whether it's your work, your your passions, your career, your your significant others, your family, like that is important to know. And then bringing it back from a career point of view, when you know when you know your why personally, it helps define your daily actions, your daily charges. When you know your why professionally or from an organization point of view, it's the same idea. I think like if you don't know your why and you're just there, you know, I really wanted to start a business. Okay. What is it about? Why? What are you gonna do? Why? Oh, uh, yeah. you know, because I want to make a lot of money. Okay, yeah, good luck. Like, and not to be dismissive, yeah, exactly. but it's like there's so much behind it. But if you know, like, I want to service small businesses to become better and be more efficient at, at doing their things, then you have a real, you have a why that you can action all of your decisions on, and then you can use your data to help you really reinvest in that vision. Similarly, like you say, hey, I want to be a professional athlete. Now, granted, there's some elements to it that may be out of our control as it relates to skill sets and stuff. But you invest in what you're doing, what you're eating, what you're, what you're, how you're training, what you're, who you're hanging out with, where you're not, do- because that's what you're really about. Or what? And I think that's the, you know, taking it all full circle to me. And I know I'm going on a real long rant here, but you no, know, that's okay. This is all interesting stuff. You mentioned the why. I think that's that's something that I think. I'm really into like personal development and a whole bunch of those type of things and concepts. And I think that's something that translates directly from a personal element, whether you're an analyst or not, to a, prof- a career or organizational element. When you know your why as a person, it's a lot easier, or you, or when you invest in your why as a person, it's a lot easier, I feel, to live a more fulfilled life because you're, 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 you're doing things that are for you and your purposes and whether they be for your family or for whatever your why is. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. But as long as it's for you, similarly for an organization, maybe your organization is not, you know, one of the big, you know, conglomerates of the world, but it's serving what you believe in. And and, and it, then you as an organizational, whether it be the head of it or, or, you know, a general laborer have, I believe you, you invest more into it and you get more out of it. And that same thing comes from the data because you'll be able to understand more of it because you're understanding why we're doing what we're doing as an organization so i think that's always important to that why component is huge man huge <laughs> that that's something that we've i've revisited in the last four or five months just like why why did i start mission disrupt like what is our purpose and we came up with the idea and we're in the middle of a rebrand right now but of there's two reasons why we exist one that we want to be an agency that drives impact impact as it relates to um, one of three things for a company, revenue, engagement, or loyalty. And when we did that, when we thought of this idea of impact, we said, okay, we have to drive an impact goal, which is revenue, engagement, loyalty, 
Now, what are the services that we offer that pertains to revenue or loyalty or engagement? And now it's very easy to cut off the fat uh, of our agency. So, so a big problem with agencies uh, is that everybody's full service, but you're not full service unless you're the Omnicons of the world that have thousands of agencies. It's very hard to do that. So it made us realize that like, that's not our selling point, right? That that's not who we are. Like we want to be really good at two things, user experience design, paid media management. So that's the two things that we do. We do Google ads, Facebook ads, TikTok ads really well. And we do the user experience uh, design well, because, you know, if you control those things, you know, conversion rate goes up, right? So it's really helped us reground the business. And now I can look at it and say, okay, what do we need? Like we need a super solid senior level digital strategist. We were able to bring that on. We need a really great lead developer. Now I know the pieces I have to buy instead of, uh, or not buy rather, but hire, bring in these people and um, actually build a leadership team. And then our second why um, has more to do with our community. And the idea is that we wanna impact our community in a few ways. We imagine our agency eventually to be the engine that is going to be behind, let's just say it's a bakery down the road. And, and maybe what I'd like to do is invest in that bakery and say, listen, like you sell, you're, you're well-known in Huntington or Comac, wherever you're from, right? But we can bring this online. We can create a digital to consumer company where we can sell internationally. So what we're going to do is take something in our community and we want to blow it up. We want to use the skill sets that we have at Mission Disrupt and build out more brands, build out more companies. So like, that's my why now. Now I know where I want to go. And because I have this in front of me, we're like, we want to become almost this hybrid between an agency and like a private equity company. Now I'm like, okay, like this is why I get up every single day because I want to get more clients and more experience so that we can hire really great leadership here. And like, that's something that we want people that are super talented. And then we want to build out brands. We want to build out impactful brands that started local, but didn't have the means or the digital whereabouts to, to, to bring it larger than that. So that's kind of our why right now, but it's, it's really helped us in, in determining where we want to go. Man, I think that's huge. I th- I'm glad to hear that. Cause you mentioned something that is really, you know, large or small organization, personal or professional, is the idea of being this one-stop shop, everything for everyone. And you 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 slowly, let me take that back. I slowly realized that I have a lot of varied interests in a lot of different things, but I've you know had to understand and I'm continuing to try to understand that same idea that you're doing as an organization, which is huge. It's like, what I really want to focus on and why is that? And, and, and I'm hearing what you're saying. And it's, 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 I think that ultimately, again, I don't have any experience running an organization or starting one. So major props to you and what you're doing, Dean is awesome. But listen, I just, I just dive in head first. I'm yeah, that's you know, what you there's no do, track man. record here. It's just that I wake up every morning. I just do it. So you just do it. But I think the fundamental part I was getting at with that was you guys have been around for a while now. You survived those initial, you know, you know, first years of inception and really redefining and, you know, repurposing what you're about, I think it's huge for the long term because I think that's the bigger, and that's the harder part, whether it be as a general analyst like myself or as a, you know, uh, an entrepreneur like yourself is it's really investing like what are we really doing and why are we doing it? And yeah. It's huge. And it, it's, it's, it's the same thing about taking the data. 
what are we looking at and why are we looking at this? And if it's if it doesn't match the ultimate goal, then what's the point? And that's a whole another topic we could go to another time, <laughs> like the so what's of things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, but it, Keith, it was really great connecting today. I, I really appreciate that you're on the podcast. I know that everyone's going to get a ton of value out of this. Um, two more questions for you. Yeah, um, ahead, one, is there other marketers that you'd recommend that could be that you'd like to see on the show? Wow, there's a there's a few. Um, I'd have to get back to you on that specifically because I, you know, that's a that's a good question, and as I think is important, you know, as a marketer analytic folk myself to hear varied experiences too and varied exactly. perspectives. Um, I definitely think it's it's I'm grateful that you had me on the show and then be able to give my my uh, half cent perspective on some of these things. But I definitely think you know we talked about about for my world i've sat with with uh you know designers engineers product managers and stuff i think having <clears throat> having a a, a a personality type or a person who works in those disciplines can really add perspective from for a marketer whether they're a marketer or not because as you know the world's become more digital these disciplines have interconnected a lot more than they have historically. And I think it's, it's, you know, things that an engineer does on product development is directly correlated to what a marketer does when they're trying to, you know, acquire or attract a customer and such. So I think that was, a, that's, that's important, but a specific person or people I'd have to get back to you and I will, I would definitely get All back right. to you now. <laughs> so if, uh, if people want to get in contact with you or follow you, cause I know you're doing some blogging too, where can they find you? So currently my blog is under development. I will share that with you when it's, when it's revamped, I'm changing up, but uh, my personal is fine. Um, I have a, I have a, you know, semi-personal work. It's K Crumpler, my first thought, last name at 22 at gmail.com. So K C R U M P L E R 22 at gmail.com. Um, readily available and responsive there. Um, that is my, you know, my like work slash personal account. So I'm in there I'm talking to people, interacting with people on that. Um, and like I said, once I have a, 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 my blog revamped, I do have one where it traditionally was a, a, a personal blog. So it's like me talking through different things and perspectives as I just did on some some tangents yeah. here. And, and I think people would be really interested in that. Yeah, I wanted to incorporate, thank you. I wanted to incorporate that, because that is me. I am that person naturally. Like I, I like to talk to people and get real what they call like the, the philosophical conversation. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to incorporate that as my career has uh, as gotten, you know, I've gotten more years of my experience. Like I think I have more uh, value to add in that front than I had when I first started, which was in 2013, when I started my blog, it was very, you know, I was still relatively green myself and learning. So now I think between, you know, my personal life experiences and my career life experience, it definitely is in a position where I hopefully can, uh, you know, add va more value both personally and professionally. So I will share that when it's, when it's a little bit more up to date and I'll give it directly to you. You can, you know, link it up or we can do another. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for man. sure. We'll put it in the show I'm really, I'm really grateful that you get, you took the time to, um, you know, reach out to me about this. And for anyone who don't know, Dean is awesome. He, I was able to work with him at one of his flowers, and awesome. he really, Keith. he really did his thing, man. And he's, I'm so proud of you, man. Really happy.